The Forum at 8 on SAFM. This morning on The Forum at 8, we're talking about one of the most widely practiced holiday traditions, and it's gathering together as a family. People all over the country traveling short or long distances to be with family members this festive season. Now, whether it's out of obligation or a genuine desire to spend time with, with family, family members usually congregate together. Now, at holidays, get-togethers, you enjoy Uncle Aubrey's marathon stories, Cousin Boosie's tales of office intrigue, and Grandpa Ronald's reminiscence. Now, but then there's that just one person who can be counted on to tell you those insensitive jokes, launch into some conspirational rant about corporate corruption or dominate conversations with a made-for-TV political debate. Every family has its own brand of crazy, and it comes in all different styles. And we've got three of them on the show today who perhaps will share some of that on the forum this morning, examining some of those dynamics in your family. Uh, Gillian Skitter joins me on the line, a social justice activist, writer, filmmaker. Nina Mplope, a South African actor, storyteller, poet, playwright, director, and author. And Dr. Ashwin Desai, a professor at the Center for Sociological Research at the University of Johannesburg. Gillian, if I can start with you, does your family gather at this time of year? Um, we do, but not every year, um, you know, uh, economics permitting. <laughs> um, Sipo's family, my husband Sipo, his family is in Cape Town in Guguletu, and my family is sort of spread all over South Africa. So, um, yeah, you know, every two years or so we do gather as a family. And, and you now, do you gather as a family as well? It depends on where I am in the world. <laughs> That's the thing with, with us, with all these aeroplanes we're flying in. But uh, when I'm here in South Africa, I love being with my family. My fa- family is based in Hammersdale, which is uh, almost 45 minutes uh, from Durban. I live on the bluff, and my family is in, uh, in Hammersdale. So yeah, I love it. It's either my whole family gathers here at my home, or we go to one of my sisters, or we go to our ancestral home in, in Hammersdale. If I'm overseas, then, of course, I'm with uh, the German family of my husband. Mm. Uh, is it big family occasions? Oh, my goodness. Oh, yes. And the shop has come together. It's almost like a whole clan. And uh, the amount of singing that takes place, I love that. I think um, the food is delicious, but when the singing gets started, then I'm okay. I'm home. Jillian, is it the same for you? Big big uh, occasions, or are they more intimate? They're more intimate. Um, yeah, it's, it's not so big. But um, I have family in Germany as well, and that is a whole different story. Um, <laughs> I, I think Christmas is taken very seriously in, in Germany. Um, and the decorations are much more lavish, and the celebrations are much more lavish there. Well, we've also got uh, Dr. Desai on the line. Dr. Desai, for you, uh, uh, is it a big uh, family occasion, a small one, and what's the dynamics there for you? Uh, no, it's, it's uh, at best just my mom and I most times. The last time we ever had a, a large family gathering was in the early 1970s. I grew up in the center of Durban. And my granny uh, lived in Leopold Street, and she would throw a lunch. Uh, but Christmas really started on Christmas Eve. We would go to St. Emmanuel's Cathedral, and um, for uh, Christmas Eve Mass, where Archbishop Hurley held sway, and then we would walk down Gray Street where the Christmas lights were illuminating the way. I and mean, it was really, as a kid, you felt like you were in the promised land. But... Uh, you know, over time, especially people were moved out of the center of Durban. But also, you know, my mother was Catholic, married to Hindu, and my mother's sisters, uh, Christian, married to Muslim. And people just went their own ways. I think uh, this idea of some melting pot and cultural expansion in South Africa also comes head on against uh, incredible amounts of uh, sectarian thinking and people hiding behind increasingly. Uh, higher barricades around issues of religion. And so mm. my own family's experience, rather than the melting pot, is that people actually uh, really defend their turf and have become much more uh, belligerent about their own uh, religious identity. So the Catholics hardly speak to the Hindus, the Hindus hardly speak to the Muslims. Uh, so I'm afraid it's not the normal wonderful rainbow story. Well, Dr. Uh, Dessa, I think you, South you, you picked up on one of the three things that uh, they say uh, sort of conventionally you're not supposed to talk about in polite company. It's politics, sex, and then, of course, religion. Um, and religion, is is it a dominant conversation at, at your family gatherings, uh, Julian? I, I imagine with, with Germans about it as well, it's, it, it perhaps presents an interesting challenge. Well, um, 
You know, we're not a highly religious um, family, I have to be honest about that. Um, so, no, it's more about the celebration. I think in the, gym, the German situation, it's, it's much more in touch with the cultic, you know, the roots of um, Christmas, the winter solstice story. Um, and also my, my um, brother married a woman who grew up in, in the east of Germany, so they were brought up as communists, not mm. Christian, but they still um, celebrate Christmas. Um, in terms of my family, my mother's a Buddhist, so you know. <laughs> um, so you know, it, it, but 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 the, the the celebration of Christmas is so deeply ingrained in, in say my mother, you know, that she will still do the gifts, etc. Um, though she understands that myself and Sipo are are less inclined um, towards the Christian sort of interpretation of Christmas. Um, Sipo, in fact, um, didn't, um, rejects Christmas altogether. So he's very much like the Grinch on Christmas Day. We have a son who obviously gets caught up in the whole consumerist idea of Christmas. And because of my upbringing, too, you know, where we did celebrate Christmas, I kept up the Christmas tradition for my son. Um, um, you know, the excitement that little children have around all those consumerist, you know, the gifts, etc. Um, but now that he's 14, we kind of, what we do on Christmas Day, um, <laughs> what we are doing on Christmas Day, is traveling to Cape Town because it's the best day to travel. <laughs> so we'll do a celebration on Christmas Eve um, with my sisters that live in Johannesburg and my mother's down. We'll do the family meal, etc., um, you know, the wine, etc. Um, yeah. No, but no one goes into those, those no-go areas of, of, play, of things you shouldn't talk about? You mean around the table? Around the table. Gosh, that always happens at all family gatherings all the time. <laughs> so, what what are the what are those conversations about? Um. Well, uh, let me see. My um. Well, when my mother's got her entire family around her, and she has to, you know, the, the conversation often comes up. My sister's married to a woman. I married uh, into a, you know in a cross cultural relationship, and my mum, you know, we just blew her mind. Um, being you know white South African, so it often comes up, you know, that um. You know how much she's actually had to grow and learn through her own uh, her, her own family. Um, so those are the kinds of conversations, um, you know. And then obviously also the you know the, the kind of different expressions. I mean, why should people be forced to? Um, it's a compromise for him to have to celebrate Christmas. Um, but you know, at the same time, so so you know, I mean, I have to go down to Cape Town uh, when we go and spend. We do New Year with people's family rather than Christmas. Um, but when I go down there, there's a whole set of expectations on me as a Makoti, you know, and I um, have to go and sort of perform certain tasks that are very outside of my culture. And as a feminist, which, you know, um, <laughs> it's not easy for me to go and serve a whole family a meal and cook, etc., etc. So, you know, those kind of conversations come up. Dr. Desai, lots of give and take uh, involved in the family gathering. Um, yeah, look, I mean, there, there is always a tension. Um, in, in any kind of family gathering, uh, simply because once religion is there, um, you know, this brings to the fore other people's beliefs around sexuality. You know, I was brought up as a Catholic. You know, what, what do Catholics think about homosexuality? What do they think about these new Pentecostals on the block? These things are replete around the table, and I think they... Most times, they're not, they're not avoided. They are debated, and they get quite heated, and people wear their beliefs on their bodies, these are deep-seated things, and and often, you know, uh, new ideas come up against old traditions, as Jervin was saying, and uh, you, you've got to either decide, are, are you going to negotiate this thing over Christmas, or are you just going to let it all hang out? Um, I just spend my Christmas with my mother mostly, and I negotiated. She's 81, and I've you know, we've hammered each other for 50 years. <laughs> so, you know, on almost every issue. Uh, so now's the time we just lie to each other you know, about almost everything. So it's just about you know, pleasantries. Yeah, I mean, the only fight we had, you know, the last two years, it's a horrible thing to talk about, but, you know, she wants to be cremated. And I know her Catholic family will rather cremate me to see her cremated. <laughs> they want her to be buried you know, in the family plot, you know, just outside St. Emmanuel's Cathedral, um, which is getting more and more squeezed as the city expands. And so, you know, the, those kind of funny things in a way and horrible things. I mean, is but that... Generally, a, yeah. You is, know. Is, is that advisable? I mean, should should we... 
should we avoid those those topics which we know are going to lead to deeper, more involved, perhaps conflictual, you know, arguments and discussions, or, or you know, should we just try to make happy and at this time of year? Well, I mean, I, I, I mean, these things, you know, it's very hard to prepare a script. You know, this is not <laughs> a, you know, this is not a, a soapy on, on SABC or, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, it's very hard. And sometimes I think South Africans, we, we, we're quite combative people. And if somebody baits you um, or the pudding has had just too much of alcohol in it, you know, tongues loosen. I, I, I still remember my Uncle Basil would come at the end of, you know, towards the end always of the Christmas in, in the center of town, and he'd be swinging a bottle of wine, and my granny would go ballistic because she was a teetotal, and he'd go, come, come, Florence. You know, the great man turned water into wine at Cana and Galilee at the wedding. You know, come, come, come. You know, the great man has blessed this bottle, and sometimes the tension gets broken by humor, but I don't think you can avoid these issues. It's, it's not a time where you can often suspend, you know, uh, disbelief. I think families get together once a year and we exchange ideas once a year. A lot goes on in a year. I have no doubt in most families are going to discuss in Kandla or discuss whether they should try and get a Brenda woman or not on her knees. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> you know, for you, I mean, can, can, does this bring up anyone in, in your mind of uh, perhaps I'm a family? I'm sorry to disappoint the SASM listeners. We don't have the amount of chaos. So sorry to all of South Africa. We have a lot of fun in my family. It's a huge family, so many grandchildren running around and great grandchildren and we we just so happy to be together and um, the, the the work that goes into preparing the food it's um, uh, it, it's a it's a labor of love but and i'm, I'm we sure have there's different types of food and uh, when we finally settle down and everyone has eaten and we, we kind of um, we we satisfied uh, in terms of the food side of things then we we catch up who's doing what in Ashore who's doing what on the south coast who's doing what where and so now and again if there are people who want yeah. to disagree it it's it's really very small most of the time we're so happy to be together and as i'm saying once the singing gets started i mean it's it's such a lovely lovely feeling to be home it's one of the things i miss when I'm not in South Africa, I miss that coming together, that feeling of, of belonging, that feeling. And also it's a very religious family, by the way. It's a very religious mm-hmm. family. And so um, they, 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 the, most of the songs that are sung are, are religious songs. And also we remember the song my father used to love singing, uh, Mama's song and all of that. And so it's a, it's a, no, we don't have the amount of drama. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we have a good time. But, I, I mean, Gillian, do you find that there's, there's roles that are played within your family? You know, as, uh, as, you know, as, uh, you know, we're saying, you know, once, once the dinner's over, perhaps the belts start loosening, Dr. Desai, perhaps the, the tongues start loosening as well with the, with the bottles of wine being consumed. You know, and when those simmering tensions start to come to the surface, do you find that there's different roles that are played within the family? Perhaps one is the reconciler and someone else is, is trying to ignite the conversation. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, definitely when the, you know, the wine's been flowing and, um, you know, all families have some form of um, maybe hierarchy even. <laughs> so, yeah, when you uh, bring, um, well, we, we're a family of five siblings. Um, all with very different personalities and and um, even you know life decisions in a way. So definitely, um, and you know, I mean, my role is very much a storyteller in the family. I'm a, I'm a writer, I'm a journalist. I, I collect stories, I tell stories, uh, we tell personal stories about our own families in film, etc. Um, so, and my, and my mother's also a great storyteller. Um, you oh. know, uh, just life day to day stories, which she can make hilarious. Um, but, you know, those old um, sibling things from childhood and, um, you know, those come up always. <laughs> um, and, you know, the disappointments, the hardships, uh, etc. You know, that stuff does definitely come up over the, these periods, you know. And you, you, suddenly your, mom, your mother's had one too many glasses of wine and she's suddenly feeling guilty about something she did when you were three years old. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, you know, and but it's also, I mean, we're a very convivial family. Generally, when we get together, it might as well be Christmas all the time because we are convivial. We, you know, we enjoy a, a few bottles of wine and we enjoy a lot of conversation. We talk all the time. 
on that sort of intense level. So <laughs> Christmas is just another experience of that. Well, but I think there are expectations around Christmas, you know. Mm. I mean, I feel terribly guilty if I'm not with my mother on Christmas because I know that she buys into Christmas and it means a lot to her. And we can't always be with her. We are kind of freelance people. Um, so we don't get that Christmas bonus that you can go traveling with. So, yeah, and I feel terribly guilty about Sipo's family if we're not with them on Christmas. You know, and our, our parents are now going into their 70s or are in their 70s. So they're all those sorts of um, dynamics that one deals with over this period. You were saying there's expectations that, that you have to meet in some way. And being a journalist, I guess you, you're asked for the stories that you want to tell and, and stories that you found interesting. I mean, do, do you collect them? Do you have them in, as a reservoir in your mind? Or do they just come out uh, on the occasion? Oh, I think they just come out on the occasion. And you must remember I work uh, in um, social justice a lot, and a lot of people are not interested in that topic at all. In fact, it's a killjoy. So, I mean, people aren't really that interested in perhaps the specifics of what you do. But generally, of course, you know, everyone's interested in, you know, justice and, and, and social justice. Sure, sure. And, and, you know, at this particular period, a, a lot of our documentaries are being rerun on SABC, so that becomes a topic um, because we told a whole lot of sort of interesting, quirky stories about South Africa, handheld camera, and suddenly there's this whole, you know, explosion of them being shown on SABC, which um, I didn't know about until people have been coming. So those are the kinds of stories that get retold. Um, we, do, we did a series of personal stories, you know, Chasing the Ancestors, Umgidi, um, which are stories about Sipo and, my other, you know, the, the sort of um, historical... We did a road trip through his Koza history and my Dutch frontier history, and there's some intersections in our family, right, that date back to the 1700s. Oh, um, you know, and so those are fascinating stories. And, yeah. and if we're together with uh, an aunt of mine who's an historian, then, the, you know, she tells stories of our ancient Scottish roots and our ancient Dutch roots, and, um, you know, and then my mother's eyes roll because she couldn't be bothered with history. My mother <laughs> likes to tell stories about <laughs> yoga and exercise, you know, so it's... <laughs> People's eyes roll a lot at Christmas. Well, I, I suppose, that, I mean, your, your family being married to, to Akosa, uh, you, you really do have a storytelling family, don't you? I mean, everyone's interested in telling a, a story in a way. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely, yeah. D uh, Dr. Desai, I, I mean, are there lots of stories that change uh, change hands or change mouths at, at your uh, family gatherings with your mom? Um, yeah, look, you know, uh, unlike Jillian, uh, you know, uh, most, most most of us in Durban live in the media, so <laughs> uh, it'd, be, it'd be too scary to go back in history, I think. Uh, but, you know, I, I think uh, I, I played a John provocateur at, at these family gatherings um, simply because, you know, most of the family, when they gather, they've done so much better than I have. And this was my chance to sort of level the playing fields by, you know, uh, starting to raise issues about... Uh, you know what is money and so on, with, so, uh, with lots of envy. But so is, it, is this up, you know. is this retribution or reconciliation that you're aiming for here? <laughs> retribution. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a deep believer in the Old Testament, not the New Testament. Revenge, fire, and brimstone, violence, war. So, so you're the angry god at your at your family occasions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean how, how do you start those conversations, and what, what is your purpose? I mean, we, we, we say it in jest, but I mean, is your purpose really to start an argument, or are you hoping to get to some cathartic moment for that individual? I, I, love, I love stories, just like Gillian does, and, uh, you know, the way to get people going is to, is to try and get deep into their prejudices, mm. uh, and... Uh, you know, uh, soppy things don't tell stories, really. So it's like to say, but Ma, your sister hasn't come around for a long time. You know, uh, I wonder why. And then she'll go on about the Muslims and, the, you know, <laughs> how prejudiced they are. And they've always hated the Christians and the Crusades are not yet over. You know, that kind of stuff. So half in jest and half serious. Uh, or, you know, uh, something deep in time that will then evoke some some prejudice that she's dreamt up, you know, in the present. So, you know, I, I also like, I want, I want to know my mother's life. I want to know, you know, feelings. This is, a, you know, she's 81. I want to know, uh, you know, how she reacts to events, how she makes sense of events. And, uh, and the way to do that is often to, to provoke her and, and, and to get her going. And then she's really, you know, it all hangs out. And that's, uh, for me, the best part of, of, of this festive season <laughs> is to spend that, you know, I'm back in Joburg in January, but to spend these 10 or 12 days with gems, 
uh, that you would never get because our parents lived under the height of mm. apartheid and they have so many stories to tell but they say with such sometimes a sense of humor uh you know one of my mother's favorite stories is you know being arrested in the beachfront because my father was very very fair and she's dark and they thought it was a you know cross racial relationship and that you know cotton onto something and they put it in the back of a police van but she thinks this is the most funniest part of her life ever uh and they have this ability to tell stories that we can't uh, but you have to be patient because they stories take a long time and i always tell my friends always say they would have phoned my mother and say hello well i said then you must have a lot of air time because you can't just say hello mrs desar how you doing my mother will want to tell you a story and a long story so i i think you're right i mean i think it is a time for for an incredible amount of stories and almost like a stock taking uh at the end of the year you can't avoid that you know people might say they live by different calendars but i think we do live life as if by december things are coming to an end and you do reflect on a year and no matter what you say you carry that into family gatherings you carry that into the festive season you had a bloody bad year you'll carry those moods generally into those things and then families lift you again families either lift you with their heartening stories or they lift you because you see how badly the others have done in the family and you get a bit of heart from that You know, Families talking. are replete with competitiveness. <laughs> they replete with envy. They replete with uh, comparisons. You can't avoid that. To say otherwise is just a lie. Well, it's all the family weaknesses. It's it's the human weaknesses and the human condition. Uh, you know, Mclope, you're a, a storyteller almost professionally. So how how do we, if if we want to elicit those stories then from from individuals, how how do you go about doing it in in your family to draw out? the real gems that, that that Dr. Desai is talking about. The interesting thing is that I'm not the main storyteller when the family gathers. Oh. Yes, and that's very nice, actually. It's nice to be... <laughs> <laughs> somebody, <laughs> somebody else to take up the, that Exactly. Casual. So the different people are telling stories about uh, who's going to university, uh, people are telling stories about who's doing what this year, and also personal tragedies, of course. I mean, last year, 2012, we had uh, no less than five funerals in a row in my family. So by the day Christmas came, we were planning for another funeral of, of, of my older sister. And so, yeah, not every year is the same. Um, of course, it would be weird if it was. But um, the, 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 the stories, I, I'm not the one with the main storyteller, and I'm glad. And you hear all kinds of stories because we, we don't see each other so often. And maybe we have got uh, family gatherings when there are weddings or even funerals for that matter. And so we see each other and then we catch up. And also our uncle, we've only got one uncle left now who's still alive in his late 80s. And so we, oh, we just wake up and decide we plan a day, we go and spend with him. And it feels like an early Christmas then, going there and bringing him gifts and uh, and finding out uh, how he's doing and the grandchildren. So I hear stories about uh, about um, members of my family. And also when we remember my father starting his stories about Natal Oil, okay, everybody's going to be rolling, laughing and laughing because of the years he worked at Natal Oil and all the difficulties. And then what, and then what was what, funny what, about it? He had such a great interest with the boss from England. We knew so much. It was fascinating the time the, the, that our our parents were younger and about the British Empire and all of that stuff. That uh, doesn't make any sense really to us, <laughs> but for them it was a big thing. And so uh, the, 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 my sisters now, uh, uh, my sisters and brothers are in the late 70s, and they are beginning to sound like my father with those stories that are told over and over. And as she says, <laughs> and the, the patient must be a part and parcel of that. You're listening to The Forum at 8 on this Christmas Day in conversation with Gillian Skitter, Nina Mklope and Dr. Ashwin Desai examining some of those crazy dynamics of family gatherings this time of year. An obligation or a genuine desire to spend time with your family? We'll continue our conversation right after your 8.30 news headlines. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. And welcome back to the program, Forum at 8, and in conversation with Julian Skitter, social justice activist, writer, and filmmaker, Nina Mklope, South African actor, storyteller, poet, playwright, director, and author, and Dr. Ashwin Desai, professor at the Center for Sociological Research at the University of Johannesburg.
Jillian, for you, I mean, I, I, do you take Dr. Desai's approach of almost setting the cat amongst the pigeons or, or you know, Mklope's approach of just listening and, and hoping that those gems come out? Well, um, I think just my presence in the family is a bit provocative. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I have a brother who has very much more conservative uh, politics than ours. And so the issue, you know, and I, I write anti-racism um, columns, etc. Mm. Um, and that is just not understood um, you know, by certain people in my family, and um, so I have that to deal with. Um, <laughs> and sometimes that does become a discussion, and then it becomes a kind of intense um, discussion. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and then, of course, um, you know, then we have this whole other dynamic of um, when we go down to Gugoletu for Christmas or New Year, uh, Sipo's father and mother live in separate houses um, because they got divorced when he was quite young. So, you know, then it's the whole sort of dynamic between, you know, having to spread ourselves between the two families so that nobody gets upset. And um, and then the stories there are quite different. I mean, Sipa was one of the youngest prisoners on Robben Island at, in the 70s, so those stories come up a lot, and they're painful stories. Um, you know, and when fa- families get together and they talk about the last time Sipa actually lived in Gugulet, it was then on his release from, from that situation and then getting reinvolved in in the struggle when he was released and then leaving and coming to Johannesburg. So that's what the Sipo they remember. So those are the stories that come up, and that's very intense, you know. Um, not to say that there's also not a lot of laughter and, and other stories that come up. Mm, I mean, what, what are those stories of, of laughter, then, that you can think of that come up at your occasions? <coughs> mm. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of which part of my family? Either part. Either part? Yeah. Um, well, I do remember, I mean, my earliest memory of Christmas, actually, um, was being on the Fishhook Beach with stale donuts and a Coke, <laughs> because my mother had just left my father. So, I mean, that's not, a, that's not you know, your average sort of Christmas mm. memory, is it? So, um, so we talk about those kind of things. Um, and then, you know, after that, um, and that was when we were very young. After that, my mother was such an incredible, you know, she just really wanted to make it a special time for us. And I just had such warm memories of that pillowcase at the bottom of our beds. You know, and she was a struggling woman. She struggled to bring up four kids on her own after that. But we always had that um, that um, pillowcase at the bottom of our bed filled with gifts. And so, you know... Um, those kind of things. But my mother's just a funny person. She's hilarious. I mean, she tells, she's a sparkling, very youthful 74-year-old who teaches yoga six times a week. And, you know, she might as well be 30 um, in terms of her her youthfulness. And her stories are just so funny. So she's really the storyteller. She's the one who, you know. And my older sisters also, you know, they tell stories of their day-to-day life, everyday stories, which are highly amusing. So, you know, I really, I really don't talk my politics and I don't bring up my anti-racism sort of activism. And I don't do that to our family because I don't think it's worth it. So I think it is a time where we just exchange day-to-day stories. Not everything's an epic story for everybody all the time. Um, so, yeah. D- Dr. Desai, do you think there should be uh, perhaps rules of engagement when, when we head to these family functions? There, there should be certain rules of, of what we do and don't do, talk about, don't talk about, insensitive jokes, words not to use. Should we have those in mind considering the audience that's there? I think you should. You know, I mean, I think you, you go into a gathering. It's a sort of seminar. It's not a mass meeting. It's not a, the big debate. It's not the morning show on SAFM. So, I mean, I think it's important, you know, what's wrong with a bit of sensitivity? Uh, although, you know, older people, they don't care about sensitivity, ironically. We, <laughs> we do. So every time I go to my mother, you know, during the December holidays, and, you know, especially if I've got a, a partner where she thinks, oh, this guy's getting old, this must be the woman, let me impress her. by telling her how great my son is. And the stories, like, are like, you know, Ashwin, you know, very, you know, he worried about, like, hygiene. When you're small, you would never pee on the bed. You would jump off the bed, pee on the floor, and jump back on the bed. He never wet his bed. <laughs> and he thinks he's, like, making great progress. But be careful of him. He likes a lot of attention. When we had visitors, he hated my friends, and he would peel the wallpaper off. You must give him a lot of attention, my darling. And, you know, not knowing that she's, like, digging my grave, but thinks she's doing so well. So that kind of beautiful insensitivity is wonderful. And I think everybody cuts the older people a lot of slack during these things. They can say, 
the unorthodox things. They can be a bit belligerent. They can get a bit angry. So what the hell? But I think many of us, they, you know, of the of the younger generation, are I think quite sensitive. We want to knit things together, and and we, we want to have memories when we go back to another province and we don't see the older people for another year. We want to carry beautiful memories. None of us want to carry memories of conflict and antagonism. This is our family. This is all often we have to rely on in our memory bank when we're far away. And, and a year can be hard in Johannesburg if you're born and brought up in Durban. So I think, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's about, it's a, it's, a, it's a time to be, it is a time overall to be beautiful and generous uh, and becoming. Well, I mean, for me, that's that's exactly the picture that that I'm facing now. Is I've, I've been here in Johannesburg for a year. I'm from Durban. All my family is pretty much in Durban, and uh, just these one or two family occasions that you know we all seem to congregate back in Durban. And it's it's a time when you don't want to have the tensions. And and yes, the older people get a bit of immunity for what they say, but you want to have real conversations. Uh, you know, Plope. I mean, uh, do do the older people and older generations have immunity in in your home when you know they bring up certain topics that you wish they didn't there are there are certain things like that that come up uh, but um, um we we listen with great interest of course <laughs> but um some of the stories they tell sometimes are things we didn't even know about them now and again just a story just comes up you think what woke that up and i like that i like those stories that just come when you didn't even ask for it and it's something that happened to them when they were much much younger or maybe when they got their first job Oh, sometimes we discuss, why on earth do we have so many teachers in the Mtlope family? One of these days, I think I'm going to make a party for all the, the, the Mtlope teachers. <laughs> <laughs> our cousins, our, our sisters-in-law, our nieces-in-law, they're just teachers everywhere. Uh, I think hey, I'm going to make a party this coming year for all the teachers in my family and actually count properly how many we have. And also the, 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 the amount of time sometimes we discuss about, uh, about education and the changes that have taken place in the education system in South Africa, that becomes a topic as well. And it's not a good idea to have me in the room because I get super emotional about education and young people. So <laughs> well, that, that dynamic of old and young, Gillian, I mean, do you see that in your home? Um, yeah, we, you know, I don't um, know my grandparents, for instance, so I never really had to deal with that sort of um, a level. So, it's, you know, it's my mum, who's pretty um, hip for a 74-year-old. Um, but definitely in Sipo's family, there's, you know, that's a very strong culture of respect. So, yes, um, uh, there's definitely divisions between old and young. And his family's not huge. They, he's got, you know, it was just him and his sister and brother, three, three kids. And then his father remarried, and they've got a much bigger sort of extended family living in their property. And definitely, um, all the people are treated with a lot of reverence um, and respect, and um, and and had immunity. <laughs> well, t- tell me <laughs> it's, it's about very this. Very different. Like we challenged my mother in a way that people would never do to his parents. Um, not to say that those conversations don't happen, because they do happen. Um, you know, a lot of conversation happens, um, especially with people's mum. With the father, it's a different story. You know, it, it seems it's part of the tradition, really, I guess. Well, tell me about this hip 74-year-old. I, I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> what makes her so hip? Well, um, well first of all, she, um, she's, got a, she's, she's, she's got a very broad mind. Um, you know, I mean, she grew up like any other white person in South Africa with the prejudices, etc. Um, but things happened in her life that really broadened her mind, and she's got a much wider perspective um, than a, a lot of people of her age do have, and um, she's been able to engage in various things. And as, as I said, you know, she says that her children have been her biggest teachers, and she's been challenged a lot. Um, her, her indoctrination was challenged a lot um, via people we brought into her life and the decisions we made, etc. Um, but you know, she 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 teaches hip hop abs, she teaches yoga, she's very physically fit. She uh, is on a spiritual journey, so she's constantly learning. She's not somebody who thinks she knows it all. She's constantly in a process of learning more and more about life, and I think that keeps people quite hip, in my opinion. Ashwin, yeah. your mom sounds quite hip as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, you know, uh, she's had to also face, uh, you know, lots of things in her life from her own son. Uh, that as I think, and she she's quite appreciative of that. She always tells me that you know I dragged her kicking and screaming into post-apartheid South Africa, mm-hmm. 
Uh, and, but she loves it. She loves this idea of, of meeting my friends um, and challenging them uh, on, on their own views. Uh, she actually looks forward to it. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, we, you know, many of us, the first people we fought with uh, in the 1980s was our own parents. And, you know, now we understand uh, how stoic they were and how strong they were. You know, for, for the, the youngsters now who probably consider themselves being hip and cool, how, how well do they, you know, I, I don't know, accept the stories, I guess, that, that are coming from, from the older generation? Perhaps, that, you know, it's often said that you just don't care. We're apathetic. Uh, you know, we, we're not interested. We don't listen very well. And, and so how, how does that work in, in your family? Do, do the younger generation seem to, you know, to have that interest in, in, in what, is, what, what is being passed down to them, a legacy almost? Some of them are not particularly interested in those in those kinds of stories, but uh, some of them are surprised. Do you know how parents, when you're at home, they want you to do this, and the rules in my house are like mm. this and that and that. And when we are gathered like that, they see their parents with new eyes behaving very differently and um, being so relaxed and not giving us instructions and um, being celebratory. I mean, oh, is that my mother? That's nice. Is that my father? not giving instructions to anybody, laughing and sometimes people telling stories like um, um, Ashwin is saying about you when you were a child. Aha, so you were naughty as well. There we go. I'll remember that. <laughs> so those kinds of things. But they don't stay for the long stories. They want to do their thing as well. They've got their own um, small gatherings, you know, the, the, the young boys and girls in the family. And then the little ones, they want the nandi-nandi delicious things. And they run amok in the yard. And, and why not? What's the joy? What's the joy of being a little person if not running around? <laughs> and then um, when when it's time to... To, to, to say goodbye and we are partying and, and this, there's this clan I'm talking about. It's not a family, it's a clan. When uh, one family, the Sibisis are leaving and then the, the Zagwas are leaving, and then they start a song and a goodbye song and then we sing that song and it becomes too long and finally they're leaving and then the next family, hey, so Lots of thank yous and yet another song and then more long goodbyes. Hey, and then the other family is Hey, it was nice. And this and this, oh boy. And so the goodbyes can be so long and their children cannot stand the super long goodbyes. Can we just say goodbye, hug, hug, and get in the car and go? Well, Julian, I mean, how does that play out in your family when you've got, you've got uh, you know, the German, uh, you know, family who are sometimes, and I, and I don't want to say accused, but they're sometimes described as, as being a little bit cold, maybe reserved, private, I, I guess some people would say. And then the other parts of your family, which are perhaps more engaged, more, more lively, more you know, bigger emotions, bigger attitudes, bigger expressions. I mean, how does that play out? Well, um, two years ago, my mother came with us to Cape Town and we celebrated New Year in Guguletu. And Sipo's family, Sipo's mom lives on the main road, which is now Steve Beaker Road. It was NY1 before. And so a bri happens on the front page, on the front, in the front garden, which means that any passerby, you know, <laughs> joins in. My mother had an absolute ball. She, you know, she didn't want to go home. And in fact, we ended up going home in the early hours of the morning, back to where we were staying. Um, it was a great experience for her and, and, you know, it, um, but it's, it's so different. It's an entirely different thing. I mean, we are much more private. We would never just, you know, anybody that comes off the street is invited to your party. Um, it's enormous stress for me because I have a certain role to play. So, you know, um, as well as... Um, and when Sipo gets back to Google later, he's out there boy, in the township because he doesn't live in the township. So it's like a, a whole sort of catch-up game. So I'm generally left with the mom and I have to... Um, it, it perform a lot of roles. Otherwise, um, it's just not, you know I get ignored for <laughs> four <laughs> days or so. Um, so anyway, I, I generally ended up um, making the meal, and then the sister and I had a bit of a, an argument because it was now expected of me to serve every single person that came. And I said, absolutely not. I, it's just not possible. I've just cooked for about a hundred people. I certainly can't serve everybody on my own. And I insisted that she help me, and that caused a bit of tension. You know, there, there are those cultural kind of um, you know, I rub up against um, certain things. Um, you know, and there's, this, you know there's, there's certain um, um, ceremonies that have to be performed that we haven't performed. And um, rather than people getting the flack for that, I will get the flack for that, you know, um, but, but from my mother-in-law. 
so yeah, there's um, various sort of um, layers of, of um, interaction. But I do love that whole openness, that whole thing about, um, you know, your house is open and people are welcome and hungry people can come by and get a plate of food. Um, you know, but you have to dish up that food because you can't let people help themselves because there's so much food that needs to go around, you know, to a lot of people, etc. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's obviously a very different experience to our urban experience in Johannesburg. Something that I struggle with at, at family gatherings is the, the cousin, the uncle, whoever it is, uh, the distant family member who still gathers there, who tells me this incredibly insensitive joke, something that's just laden with racism or some vitriol, some rhetoric, and, and you feel obliged to laugh, but at the same time you're reluctant to because you, you know it's wrong and you feel guilty, but at the same time you don't want to offend the family member and cause another rift in the family. Um, Ashwin, perhaps I, I can put this one to you. What, what do you do when someone comes up to you and tells you an insensitive joke, but you don't want to offend them? You know, do you just deal with it head on or, or just laugh it up? Yeah, I'm a person of moods. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I think one has to approach this. You know, we, for example, I live my whole life in the academy in some ivory tower and, and, and then want to get on SAFM and be a political and social commentator. But I hardly join people who, in a country that is replete with these views. So often I want to know these views. I want mm. to know what South Africans are thinking. Not some uh, only academic who's pre- uh, presenting a seminar paper who's anally politically correct, who's footnoted all his or her evidence. Because, you know, I want to know about the homophobic sentiments. I want to know about the racism. I want to know about the new ethnic jokes even. So often I, I hardly want to cut that off in a bar or even in, in, in a general conversation at the fa- uh, or, or, you know, in the family. But I think if, if I've taken somebody with, then that person... It becomes the butt of something, or that person, uh, you know, is forced to receive some uh, racism or sexism or chauvinism on their bodies. I would take it up, but generally, I want I want to learn. I want to I want to I want to be a an observer of events, and I and I, I think it's a it's a rough line to draw. I think in our whole lives we 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 we, we research this and we put these uh, views out in the public domain. Um, but I think there are times when we have to we have to listen to them. We have to stomach them for 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 a broader imperative. Otherwise, uh, Darshan, uh, you're going to only know views that are in, you know sort of uh, 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 quite anemic actually. Um, and and you know so if I was you, I would just uh, listen to it and then one day when you're in SAFM. Uh, tell it on air and your uncle you'll have your revenge on your uncle that you would never <laughs> never be able to live down <laughs> and once again start another a family war you know, for, for, for you I mean how, how do you deal with that um, I, I mean perhaps not an insensitive joke perhaps something else but just something at a family function which you, which is uncomfortable to deal with one of the things uh, that I, I think we, we overlook is that um, children don't always, when we, when we have a very big family, they don't always remember uncle so-and-so and auntie so-and-so uh, because there's so many of us and we don't see each other so often. And uh, you expect the child to know exactly who you are. And sometimes the children don't know everybody. And um, why should they? So that, that's one of the reasons why we, we, we come together, basically. And um, that, it, it, when, when there are people who are saying really things that are... It's just uh, they, 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 non, they don't, they're not palatable. You kind of uh, you, sh- you shrink into a space. I, I don't, I don't know how to deal with those kinds of things. I'm not a good fighter, uh, but uh, when when uh, there are people who know how to respond to that thing, spot on. I think you and must, I'm uh, you must, you must get. There are people that know how to answer immediately. So what? How do you think that fast <laughs> to respond to that person? And I love that. I love that there are people who know how to respond to that kind of stuff. You know, so I, think really, really. I think you need to keep Dr. Desai's number on speed dial. I should, I should. He, I should. he can give you some I advice. Just, I just quickly send him, so-and-so just said this, what, what do I do now? Jillian, <laughs> <laughs> how about you? I mean, how, how do you deal with those, where, where you know it's going to perhaps build into something bigger, uh, you know, more troubling situation, uh, you know, someone on a conspirational rant, for example, talking about, Corporate corruption in South Africa, the the, uh, the corruption of government, and they start to dominate the conversation with oh. this made-for-TV political oh, debate no. that they're steering everyone into this channel of, of gloom and doom, perhaps. I mean, how, how, how do you deal with that? Do you pull people out? Do you leave, let it just you know fizzle away? 
Um, yeah, it, 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 yeah. Uh, in fact, those situations do happen in our household because, um, uh, you know, I have a brother who, who really tries to goad me in terms of um, my politics, and it's, it's meant to be humorous, but it's, it's actually not that humorous. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty confrontational. I will, you know, challenge the point head on and then um, try and sort of stamp it out <laughs> by dominating the situation. <laughs> Um, there are times when, when Sipo talks politics way too much and because that's his language, that he speaks a political language practically 24 hours a day. Um, okay. And as you say, it can be a, a dampener in certain situations um, where people's eyes start rolling. And then I sort of kick under the table and pinch his thigh and <laughs> various things <laughs> like that to say, you know, can we just change the conversation now? Um, so, yeah. People with more conservative politics really do like to um, goad people, with, you know, to try and get that whole mm. sort of um, thing going. And I try and avoid it as much as possible. And if, if I can't avoid it, I'd actually try and stamp it out and dominate the situation. Well, it, so, it sounds like, Especially with my siblings. Again, it sounds like Ashwin's leg would be dead by now if, if he was with you, Julian. Um, <laughs> Ashwin, I mean, how, how would you deal with that? I mean, it's, it's, uh, these are real conversations that people have at, at their dinner tables. I mean, so why should we be anything other than who we are, uh, genuine with, with our emotions and, and our reactions to things uh, as we would have it in, in our everyday life? Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's many ways to 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 skin a cat, you know. You know, there, I mean, and many tactics one would use. Uh, you know, when people talk about corruption, for example, I, you know, uh, in South Africa, I just like as if the conversation and just talk about you know this massive corruption in India, how bad things are in India, and the violence in India, and the rape, and you know all that kind of stuff, and and really, then. Um, makes it very difficult for somebody to respond because you're almost agreeing with them that corruption is bad, um, but transposing it into a country that they would think is sacrosanct and is above reproach. I, I, we are running out of time, so maybe perhaps I can just ask you for your closing thoughts now, Dr. Desai. Maybe, would you like to tell us the one final story about, about your mom or something that you're planning to do with her this festive season? Well, you know, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously I'm going to, you know, uh, visit her tomorrow, and I just thought that, um, you know, she uh, she's lost most of her teeth, so I'm going to take a fresh cream cake and cut it into small bits, and then uh, she hasn't done this for 12 years, and she's going to kill me for saying this again, <laughs> but. Uh, uh, she suddenly, she's never drank all her life, but she suddenly decided that ginger brandy is a <laughs> cure for everything. And so I've got a, a, a bottle of ginger brandy, well fermented, and we're going to have a, a couple of glasses. Well, happy festive season to you and uh, to your mom, Dr. Ashwin Desai. Thank you very much for joining us, Professor at the uh, Centre for Sociology Research at the University of Johannesburg. You know, Mplope, your your final closing thought for us? with the family at my sister's home and um, it's a um, Christmas but also traditional ceremony so it's going to be quite interesting what's going to come up with the ceremony and the ancestral connection as well as um, the, the fact that uh, when family comes together the, 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 the feeling of, of, um, of, of, of gratitude my father used to say the most important word in the Zulu language is thank you so I think we're going to be saying a lot of Ngiabonga tomorrow. Ngiabonga, then, uh, you know, actor, storyteller, poet, playwright, director, and author. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas. Thank you very much for joining us. Merry Christmas to the listeners of SAFM. Julian Skitter, I'll give you the final word then. Well, we had our lunch yesterday, which is kind of the winter solstice thing, in, you know, if you're in the northern hemisphere, because my mother is here, and we're traveling on Christmas Day to Cape Town, as I said. And then we will do our celebration on New Year's um, with Sipa's family. So that's how we, you know, manage to balance out um, at this time with family, etc. Um, and as I'd also like to say, Merry Christmas to everyone out there. <laughs> uh, Julian Skitter, thank you very much for joining us. And Merry Christmas to you as well. Thank you. Social justice activist, writer, filmmaker, and a bit of a stirrer as well, as you heard there. All of our guests kind of stirring the pot when they go home and meet with families. Julian Skitter, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you at home for joining us today, and Merry Christmas, Happy Festive Season. From myself, Darshan Ludley, and the rest of the team, 
Have a great morning. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Yuletide carols being sung by a choir. And folks dressed up like Eskimos. Everybody knows a turkey and some mistletoe. Help to make the season bright. Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow will find it hard to sleep tonight. They know that Santa's on his way. He's loaded lots of toys and goodies. And every mother's child will want to spy to see if reindeer really know how to fly. And so I'm offering a simple present to kids from one to ninety-two. Been said many times, many ways. Merry Christmas.